super excited about today. We are going to do it a little bit different. You can see some of the guys up here with me even right now. Just just in case uh, you aren't familiar with them or maybe you are newer to the house, let me just kind of do some introductions really quick. So we got over here, we got Pastor Stephen, uh, who is over our online campus. If you're with us online uh, every week, you obviously know Pastor Stephen. Way down here, we got Pastor Mo uh, involved in leading Victory Midtown. We got Pastor Chris up here at Hamilton Mill, and we got Pastor Darius at Victory North Cobb. So uh, some of you are like, wait a second, what's that? Um, well, let me pause. <laughs> so uh, let me let me just kind of take a se- second and catch you back up. So we're in the second week of a series that we are calling Fully Alive. So last week we kicked off um, this entire series with the thought of the mission of God. So we went back to Genesis. Genesis one twenty seven says that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. Genesis one twenty eight says why right? It says what and then why. 127 is we all are made in the image of God. 128 says that we were made to be fruitful, to multiply, to, to rule and to reign. That's why God made people. He, he could have done it all himself, but he wanted to partner with humanity. And that's really stretching back into last year because we said that you were made for something great, that God put his image on the inside of you. But as we're stepping into this year, we're acknowledging that it's not just about what God put in you. We want to release what God put in us out of us for his glory in the world around us. That's the mission of God. The mission of God, we see it back in Genesis with Adam and Eve, is to have people who are pure and holy walking with God who are multiplying others as we rule over the world together with God. That's the big idea. That's the mission. He gave that mission to Adam and Eve. He then gave it to Noah. He gave it to Abraham. Ultimately, Jesus in Matthew 28 gave it to the church that we, every single one of us, has the mission to walk with God in purity and holiness and then to go and rule as kings in life and then to multiply, to make others who would go and do likewise in Jesus' name. That's, that's the big idea. So really, we covered two huge things last week that you have to know. If you, if you weren't here, you have to know what we talked about last week. The first thing is this. At, at the close of the message, um, I, I was able to share a dream. Uh, really not a dream. It's, it's a God dream, if I can say it like that, because I was awake when he gave it to, it, to me. It was a God mandate for this house uh, that he gave to me April 24th, 2011, Easter morning. 2011, which ultimately resulted in this, that the mandate on this house of Victory Church is that we will, not like we're aiming there, we will be a house. We will be a church of 100,000 people spread across all of our locations and the future locations. Um, And then we will be a house that influences 900,000 people through church plants, churches that we get behind, missionaries that we send out, missions organizations, all total for a million souls. Hear that today, that we are called, there's a mandate on this house for a million souls to be impacted and influenced for the cause of Christ out of this house. So some of you are hearing that for the first time and you're like, Johnson, here's the problem. There's no way you could do that by yourself. Exactly. All right. That's the big idea. Why? Because we are on mission together. It's no longer just that you were made for something great. We were made for something great. And now there's a mandate on this house that we are going to go and do this thing together. So that's... That led to the second big thing um, that, that we talked about. By the way, if you if you didn't listen to that message last week, go listen to it. Like as soon as our time's over this this morning, go listen to that message. Okay, which led 
led ultimately to the second uh, big, big thing that we talked about was that God is already starting this in our midst. God is already expanding our tent pegs, if I can say it kind of biblically like that, right? Um, and that Victory Church up in the North Cobb area that has been so faithfully pastored by Pastor Jeff and Pippa Hidden for the last 17 years is now formally coming into being a campus, coming back inside the family of Victory here as a campus being led by our very own pastors, Darius and Melba Dunson. Super pumped, goodness gracious, super pumped. Um, and, and here's the deal, that even kind of leads us into what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, because if, if you were here, then, then you kind of heard how um, that announcement went, where I said, hey, April 24, 2011, right around 11 years ago, um, that, that God gave me almost, I can say it like this, like a God promise. That's what it was in my soul. God gave me a promise. Then I didn't even know your timeline. You know, when we brought you up and kind of announced you, uh, you said, actually, it was October of 2011 right? Yes. Yeah, that date kind of stood out. So um, like 10 and a half years. Yes. So 11 years for me, 10 and a half years um, um, for, for Darius and Melba. And when I said that in the room, I felt the room. I, I don't know if, if you felt it, but yeah. literally I, I felt it in the room where I said 11 years. Then you said like, it's been like 10 and a half years. And I felt this like, is it, can it really take that long? <laughs> like, that's what I felt. <laughs> in the room. And so that's what we kind of want to press in on in, in our time here that we have. What do we do in between when the promise is made and the promise comes to fulfillment? What, what do we do in that time of the waiting? Because the reality is we're not very good uh, at waiting. By the way, um, something happened where there was like a 41-year gap and God's promise finally came true for my Georgia Bulldogs. And so I just kind of wanted to pause in this moment and give some glory to God. And we're, we're going to have Pastor Chris lead us in, in, in prayer and worship in a second. <laughs> He's a huge Bama fan. Uh, it's great to be a Georgia Bulldog. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, we were just going to replay the whole championship game today, but we decided we should probably have service. Um, no, but, but, but again, here, here's the thought, is we, we have, especially up here, right, doing ministry for, for, if we add up all our years, quite a while. We've seen a lot of people give up along the way, you know, especially as the years kind of drag on, right? Um, a lot of people lose heart, give, give up, um, or they go the other way and they try and like make it happen. Right, they try and kind of like take the plans in their own hands and man, end up manhandling the plans and just kind of ruin the whole thing. So here's what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to just kind of like dive into the next topic of the series, which by the way, ne this next week, I believe is second in importance only to last week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so important. But we didn't want to dive into that with some people's hearts still in this like mourning place, like this place of like, what, what am I supposed to do? Because I feel like God made me a promise, but the days and the weeks and the months and the years are dragging on, even to the decades, how in the world are we ever going to see this thing come to pass? But here's the deal. Here's what we have to know, is that this isn't new to us. This problem, if I can say it like that, isn't new to us. Uh, I was thinking about Gideon uh, this, this, this morning, and you know, kind of like God made him a promise, and then it was like, I don't know, a few weeks maybe? And then it's, it's come to pass. Jesus told the disciples to go wait in Jerusalem in Acts, Acts 1 and 2, right? They, it's a few weeks, and then it comes to pass. But then David waited 15 years, 
between the time he was anointed <laughs> and the time he became king. Moses wandered for 40 years. Sarah waited 25 years for Isaac. Hundreds of years, uh, people waited for the Messiah, right? So it, we're, we're not the only one. So here's the deal. We know that, that God keeps his promises, but here's the question I really want us to dive into, okay? We know that God keeps his promises, but what do we do when it feels like he's not? What do we do when, when, he, when it feels like God's slow in keeping his promises? So, Pastor Darius, when I made that announcement, um, you were kind of nodding your head saying you're feeling it in the room. And, I mean, that's, that's 10 plus years. Yes. And I'm sure not, that's not the only promise you feel like God's made to you. But, but how, how did you conduct yourself? How are you even thinking about that, that time even right now? Yeah, so, you know, if you heard the story last week, um, when the Lord spoke that to me, you know, the first thing, uh, that I experienced was it was overwhelming, number one. It was a promise. It was exciting, but it was overwhelming. But the other part of it was I had no timing. Like, it's not yeah, like the yeah. Lord says, hey, go and launch a church in the Cobb area. That didn't happen. <laughs> he said, one day you'll lead a campus and lead a church in the Cobb area. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be that long. I'm glad, he didn't, I'm glad he didn't tell me, hey, it'll be 11 years yeah. from now. Right. Um, but, but um, hindsight is twenty twenty. As I look back, you know, there were some things that I learned, though, in that process because, you know, uh, you know, waiting is much easier said than done. It's one thing to say, wait on the Lord, but then when you're in the middle of the process and it doesn't seem like the promise is trending or you're trending towards the promise, you got to find something to do. And so I'm one of those guys that I need a word. Like, I have to have a word for every season. And um, the Lord began to speak to me early on in that, in that process. And he gave, me, he gave me two words right out the gate, probably within two weeks of him saying that would happen. He told me two things. I want you to be available and I want you to be responsible. Available and responsible. You know, waiting is one of those things that, you know, if you do it the right way, it provides a lot of preparation but it also provides strength. Yep. You know you know the scripture. You know, Isaiah 40, I believe it's 31. You wait on the Lord, he'll renew your... Right. Amen. We got some preachers in the house. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah. But, but one of the things that happened in that word availability, the Lord was saying, can you be fully committed with your time as if what, you're do what you'll do in the future will, will come to pass? So basically he was saying to me was, Take the time that you have right now, the time that you have available, and give it fully to what you're called to do. And one of the problems that I feel like we have oftentimes is that we're not available until it's game time. But God was saying, look, you need to show up and practice. Like, not just show up and practice, but show up in another man's dream. Show up in, in something that God is doing in someone else. And so, you know, that was one of the things that I processed through. But that word responsibility was the thing that really got me because, you know, there's a scripture that says, whatever you sow, you'll, you'll reap. And what I knew was where it concerned Pastor Dennis uh, in this vision is, is that if I sowed irresponsibility towards his vision, then in my season as I'm leading... That's right then I would reap irresponsibility in my season. And so God was just pressing things inside of me, and it was difficult. It was difficult uh, walking through it. But the joy of 
following and walking through someone else's dream was actually a blessing to me. Seeing, seeing us as Victory Church thrive was a blessing to me. And here's the reality. In that process, um, there was probably two times that people called me uh, and offered me churches. Now, I didn't tell you that part. <laughs> they offered me churches. Who were they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember, I, remember one time, I remember one time someone called me and they said, hey, I want you to, I want you to uh, launch this church. And, and I didn't even flinch. I didn't, no, no, that's not what I'm called to do. Because I had committed myself to the work that was happening in victory. And what I understood was this. If I can be faithful over something that belongs to someone else, in time, God will give me what he's called me to do. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, when God blesses you, he doesn't bless you uh, in a way that it will be grievous to you. And so the other thing that happened was, is that he began to speak probably in 2014 about ownership. So I did availability, responsibility, and I actually was telling people about the words that I was living off of. And then about 2014, he started speaking to me about ownership. And in that, I began to realize that, you know, I wanted to own the vision of victory as if it was my own. And sometimes in order for you to receive the promise that God has for you, what you have to do is take hold of the promise that he's spoken to someone else and allow practice to happen with their vision because they've already become an owner. So they know how to handle it. They're not going to break anything. And what I knew was that in order for me to carry the weight in the next season, I would have to be able to take ownership of someone else's vision in this season. And that's what I was allowed to do in that season. And so it comes out easy now. It was much tougher in the process. But I'm so, man, I'm so glad that I didn't step out, do anything outside of God's timing. Because what would have happened if I would have done that, I would have broke something, you know. I'm, at, at some point in time, we ought to preach a message on broken promises. Yeah. Not, not God's broken promises, but we stepping, us stepping out too early and breaking something that God intended for us in the next season. So that's what, that's what my process was. And I'm blessed yeah. to be able to experience the other side of waiting. That's awesome, man. Hey, Chris, I know you got your own, your own story. You've been on a crazy journey, yeah. and I, I know a lot of it. What, what, what do you want to speak that would encourage victory today? Well, and I think what we all felt in the room at different campuses when you were preaching, when you spoke on the waiting and the dream, the God dream he gave you in 2011 is it is difficult. I mean, we, it, it is difficult in the waiting. We were just singing about it, worshiping the Lord, that he is the God of the waiting. And he says for us to take courage. And we all do have our stories. And I think for me, uh, going way back, so I got you guys beat. Y'all don't even know this yet. So in 2008, my wife just recently reminded me of this story, that in 2008, we were on our bed, notepads out, pen and paper, and we were writing down a picture of a church that God was giving us. And we filled up pages, and I, I'm big on titles, so I titled it, We See a Place. And we didn't see that place for a long, long time. And, and then we thought we saw the place. God called us to this Bama boy and his family to Omaha, Nebraska, 
It's below zero right now in Omaha, Nebraska, cold, cold. And we saw God do wonderful things, but sadly, after three and a half years, it didn't work out. And Mo, I, I thought it was dead. Yeah. The dream, I was like, I guess it's over. I'm the youth guy. I guess I'm gonna do youth ministry. I, I guess is it. And uh, even found myself stuck uh, in Alabama, uh, working at Publix in transition. And I was sharing with the guys earlier, people my age and older that I'd gotten to know, uh, uh, employees, coworkers, friends, uh, all of them through getting to know each other had given up on their own dreams. And it was like, this is what we're doing. Nothing wrong working at Publix, but they had given up on their dreams as I got to know them and hear their stories. And so I think it's just really, really difficult. And that I see a place, that we see a place, what we called it, we're now here at Victory. We saw a kingdom church, a spirit-filled kingdom church that is multi-generational, multicultural, looking like heaven, touching his community in his backyard and around the world. And so this that scripture that Jesus says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. And so I felt like in me, guys, the dream, the God dream, and it died, it's over. And I think a lot of people, that's why it's difficult, and that's why we felt it in the room. But can I just tell you to end on this? It's so worth the wait. And so I wanna encourage you, if you are struggling in the waiting, and we all do, all of us do, it is difficult. Darius said it, it is difficult, but there's grace in there because God's saying, take courage. Take courage because it's coming. It's worth the wait. And I'll just say this. I didn't know a Victory Church existed. These guys are my friends. People around here are my friends. I didn't know any of these people. It's worth the wait because God's best is better than our best. What I was dreaming, thinking of, it's better. There's no perfect church, but I'm telling you, God's doing wonderful things here for 31 years. And now the Friffs, my family, are a part of it. And I'm humbled and honored to be the campus pastor at Victory Hamilton Mill, a beautiful family. And so God's redeemed the dream. So I just wanna encourage you, while we're in the waiting, and yes, it is very difficult, and I gave up. I gave up, it was tough. But the Lord redeemed the dream. He's working even when you don't see him working. And I'm telling you, his best is better than our best, and it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait, Pastor. So, so Chris, you just, you, that phrase, worth the wait. Okay, specifically, you know, with, with what you went through, and you even kind of reference some of the some of the people watching today, part of the family who may be a little bit older. Can you can you take that phrase, worth the wait, and can you speak that? Can just rephrase it to anybody who's maybe 50 up, who's who's in the verge of maybe giving up on a dream. Just take worth the wait and t- say it to them. Yes, and I know someone who is watching right now for sure that I texted two days ago that said your best days are not behind you. And so I just wanna encourage anybody here that is 50 years and older and you're thinking it's not gonna happen. That dream, that vision, that promise, that calling, whatever it is you're holding on to, I cannot encourage you enough to cling to the Lord, devote yourself to the word of God, and literally hold on, it's coming. And here's for me, is I had to learn the hard way that he is truly working behind the scenes even when we see nothing. When we see nothing, he is still working. So I cannot encourage you enough, my brothers and sisters, whatever it is, young or old, uh, and I'm just encourage you, God's got you, and if it's a God dream, this is what I've learned too, if it's a God dream, it will 
come to pass. If it's a God word, if it's a God call, and definitely it's a God promise, it will come to pass. So good. You know, I think lots of times when you see, especially pastors, right? You know, you think, oh, they got it all together. They probably like were raised in the perfect home, you know, and, and went to seminary. And then like three, three steps later, they just stepped into the ministry. Right. It's like these straight lines, everything's perfect. But so much zigzag, so much like we, we just think that all of God's promises are just going to be fulfilled linear, like right. one little short line. But, but that's, that's kind of the common theme in all of ours. Mo, I, I know you got your own <laughs> story in that day, man. Share it. Absolutely. Um, literally, when you just said that about the common theme and about all of us having that perception, and even people thinking, okay, you just, you know, okay, you're called to preach, now you're a pastor. Let's go. It's not that easy. But I love uh, what my wife said the other day during one of our nights of prayer and fasting. She said, a lot of times people see uh, me, see us on platforms, and we think, okay, oh, they just know what they're doing. This is what it is, and they just showed up here one day. And what she said to the church was that it started with a yes. It started with a yes. And because I said yes, because we've said yes in other seasons, it makes it possible now for us to continue to say yes in this season. And so as we're looking at this and as I'm hearing everybody, all of us have our stories of this many years and that many years. For me, it was 16 years. It was 16 years. And watch this. It wasn't even about me waiting to be a pastor. It was just 16 years of me saying yes, yes. Yes, yes, to whatever was in front of me right now. Uh, as we were talking about this, you know, I was looking at some stuff and saw that the word wait, especially when you look at it biblically, is an active verb. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say that one more time. It's an active verb. Yeah. To wait is not where you're just kind of sitting back and letting life happen to you. To wait is that you are actively saying yes over and over and over again. And as I started to think about this, I was just reminded that in the seasons where I continue to say yes, and even now, uh, the principles that the Lord has really shared with me that I live by is number one, this, you have to be 100% committed to what is now so that you can be 100% ready for what is to come later. Can I say that one more time? We have to be 100% committed to what is now. What's right there in front of you that God has put in your hand to say yes to, that you're not looking and waffling so that you can be 100% ready for what's coming later. And so as you do that, the second principle is this, is that every season of faithfulness, it actually sparks you into the next season of fulfillment. Every season of faithfulness where you can continue to say yes when nobody is looking. When nobody's pushing you to do it, when nobody's cheering you on, it actually catapults you into the next season of fulfillment. And so as I think about this, I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy on the inside right here because I get to see, like the Bible says, a cloud of witnesses where other people have walked through things. And I know my own story. And in my story, I'm, I'm reminded of the scripture in 1 Peter uh, 5, 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because it says in due time you will reap. In due time, he will exalt you. And a lot of times what we do is that we don't let things get to the due time. Like you said earlier, we step off the boat. We say, oh, it's my time. And God is like, okay, I don't want it to be your time. I want it to be my time. And so when we talk about being ready in God's due time, it takes a maturing. It takes a maturation. And so as I'm looking at this, and literally I was, I was working out today, uh, you know, surprise. Um, I, I get a little revelation when I'm working out a lot of times. And the Lord just kind of prompted me with this. He said, when you think about the word wait, here is the question that I want you to ask, and I want you to share this with Victory. And y'all know what I got to do. We got to lean in on this one. Lean, lean in on this one. Lean in on this one. 
I want you to write this in the chat. I want you to write this down for your own edification. Whenever the Lord is telling you to wait, he wants us to ask him the question, what am I teaching? He wants us to ask God, what am I teaching? Because in the waiting, he's processing you for something. But if we don't ask that question, what we'll do is we're like, okay, I'm just wasting time right here. And no time is wasted. And so if we can kind of slow down sometimes and not just look at, okay, why am I going through this? This is what the Lord shifted me to a long time ago. Not why am I going through this? What am I supposed to be learning from this? So what am I teaching is what is the question we need to start to ask the Lord. And I want to say this last thing. As I think about that, um, I know we're talking about ministry. I know we're talking about preaching. I know we're talking about all these things. But I want to speak to some people who are not waiting on a preaching engagement. I want to talk to some people who are not waiting on a preaching appointment or a position. I want to talk to some people who are waiting for a promise from God that he spoke to you years ago that you gave up on. And I just want to share a testimony. Many of you know, uh, my wife Kendra and I, we prayed, we waited for 10 years. We've been married 10 years this past October. For 10 years, we prayed for a child to expand our family. And in those early years, I remember several times where we were like, God, have you forsaken us? God, did you forget us? God, why are we having to go through this? And what I can say is that I I just shared this testimony with someone at Thirst uh, after service. I said, in that season, we absolutely thought we wanted children at that time, that it was like the last thing that we just needed and we wanted God to move. But what we can say now is that in this season, because we were able to wait, learn, now we're better parents than we would have been 10 years ago. We're better nurturers than we would have been seven years ago. We have a better relationship with each other than we had seven years ago. And so now, God, because we were able to say, God, what are you teaching us? What should I be learning? Now we're able to parent Maximus in a way that brings glory to God. We're able to give him the things that he needs. That's for this season, for this time release moment in time. And so I just want to encourage you to wait on the Lord. The Bible says, though the vision may tarry, it shall come to pass. So that's for somebody right there in the chat watching online. It shall come to pass. Just continue to wait and develop in the waiting. That's awesome, Mo. That's awesome. You know, even as you're talking about ba- uh, baby Max <laughs> and, and your journey there, um, I was just kind of even thinking through um, my journey, Summer and I, our journey uh, years ago, and I've shared this a little bit, um, I was driving home, you know, we were, we were complaining to God uh, that, we hadn't, that she hadn't gotten pregnant yet because, we, you know, we've been trying and just getting frustrated. And God told me their names will be, will be Jeremiah and Isaac, right? Um, but here's, here's what lots of times we don't think about. Like, that doesn't mean like the next day, right? right? Like it was still months and months and months, but now I had this promise to hold on to. And yes, obviously Summer got you know, pregnant and now we have Jeremiah and Isaac, right? Um, but the Lord started ministering to me about that years ago. And here's what he was saying, that even in the natural, there's, there's a moment of conception, but then there's this, in, in humanity, there's a nine-month space between conception and delivery. When the, when, when the promise actually comes to pass. You can hold it in your hands when you see it, right? And, and I believe that the Lord maybe wants to minister to this to some of us. That there is a time between conception and the fulfillment of that conception, the delivery of that conception. And it's called pregnancy. And there are some people even today who are pregnant yeah. with promise. Yeah. 
So I want you to view the, the time that you're in as pregnancy, right? The, the weight of this thing. And, and even let's just even kind of take that a step further. Like when you, when you look to things that maybe um, say like this don't really matter that much, maybe like some little insects or something like that, they, they can have kids really fast, right? Like little, little babies really fast. You're just popping them out, right? But then you look at humans and all the way up to like elephants, right? Like over a year. I mean, and so could it be that the size of your promise determines the length of your pregnancy? So, so maybe instead of being discouraged, you should actually be encouraged. Because what God wants to do in you and through you and fulfill that promise, maybe it just needs a little bit more time in the womb before it can be birthed. So it has already been conceived, but there will come a delivery moment. And right now you're just pregnant, <laughs> pregnant with promise. Um, you know, even, even, you know, for, for us, what we, what I shared uh, last weekend about a hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand, um, you know, when, when God put that, that in, in me, you know, I'm, I'm not going to add, I'm not going to say anything different than you guys have. I think there's some strong scriptural themes that God just blesses and God, God delights it when we, when we live his way. But I was kind of left with two options, right? Like I can either just sit here and just let God do it all. Right, kind of take, you know, we know some people are like, I'm just going to sit here and God made the promise, right? Or I can just start putting one foot in front of the other and have a yes. And I'm just going to do what I know how to do, right? And then I'm going to trust that God is, is moving this promise forward, that God is steering this promise in, in the midst of this. And what I go to lots of times is Exodus 14. And so I, I see the scripture sometimes uh, in people's uh, like kitchens and stuff. It's, it's Moses when the Israelites are right there at the shore of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army's pressing down behind them, they're about to murder them all, right? And Moses steps back. He's like, guys, just, just be still. And just, know, by the way, I'm, if you have this scripture in your kitchen, it's okay. All right. But he says, guys, just be still. And the Lord's gonna do a great work. And right behind that, God says, Moses, <laughs> lift up your staff and split the sea and get the Israelites moving. And here's the thing. Moses had this thing of like, hey, we're just gonna sit back and God's gonna do all the work. And God's like, wait a second, I'm gonna do pretty much all the work, but I'm gonna need your yes, and I'm gonna need movement in the direction of obedience. And so I'm gonna need you to do something that with the, with the common eye is a little easy. I'm just gonna need you to lift your staff. But listen, it's gonna take faith to lift that staff. Because if you lift that staff and nothing happens, you're going to look like an idiot, Moses. But I promise you, if you take a step, I'm going to empower that step. And we're going to, move, we're going to be moving towards this promise. And so that's, that's, that's my journey. That's, that's our journey. That's some of our journeys back here. That when God makes a promise, don't just sit stationary. Start moving in that direction. Bloom where you're planted. Right? Don't just keep on moving around trying to manhandle it, make it happen. No, be faithful with where you are. Pray where you are. Like, like Derry said, I, I, I did this for, for 15 plus years with Pastor Dennis. And it was my delight that I wanted to be faithful with what was another man's so that God could give me my own. Right? And lots of times we're like, we're cheating on what is another man's so we can focus on the thing that one day God's not going to bless that. 
So bloom where you're planted. Throw yourself into it. And then lift the staff, whatever it looks like. Some of you even right now, you need to pray. God, what does it look like for, for me to lift the staff? To take that step of faith, that small step of faith, right? And then trust that you're going to empower that step to take me to the fulfillment of the promise. And here, here we were even saying this a second ago. Just to bring it back into what God spoke to us is, is a church, right? Is that I say it was April 24, 2011. So right around 11 years ago, right? That, that God gave the promise. But here's the deal. The promise is not fulfilled yet. <laughs> right. So I can even say it like this. Last week was, was, was the pregnancy announcement. Yeah. 11 years later was the pregnancy announcement. And now we as a family are in this pregnant promise. Yeah. Knowing that as we all lift the staff as we all move forward together. I believe that God is, God is going to bring this God vision of 100,000 and 900,000, a million souls impacted through this house. God's going to bring that to come to pass through us, right. us in our own way, being faithful to go and lift the staff, to move out, to step into uncharted territory. And God's going to empower that. And he's going to bring the promise to come to pass for all of us, Amen. for his glory and for the good, and for the good Amen. of those around us as well. So Stephen, what, what you got, man? Well, I love what you were talking about with the children of Israel. They had a, a vision of where they were going. They left Egypt and they had this promised land that they knew that they were on their way towards. And hearing how all of us have visions of where we were going, a million souls, that's an amazing land that we are on, in the process to, a campus. That was a clear vision that God gave you, a future church, a family, a future of ministry. The Israelites, when they were on their way there, not only did God tell them, here's a land I'm gonna take you, but in the process, he made sure that their shoes were taken care of their food was taken care of. He made sure that they had air conditioning <laughs> and they had heat. Every aspect was provided for them. And so there's a story I want to share about how God took care of what sometimes we might think is an incidental. And there was a time about 10 years ago that we lived, my, my wife and I, we lived about an hour away from Victory. So the commute to drive in was a joy. It was, it was definitely a lot. And we had a heart to want to move closer. So we began to pray, God, would you just find a house for us? of how we can be closer to the church and do greater ministry with people that are around the campus. And uh, around that time that we began praying, I had a dream. And in the dream, I'm pulling up to this house. And this house is, it was way beyond anything I could afford. It was beautiful. I loved it. My friends and my family were there. They were all clapping and cheering in, in the dream as I, as I came up. And then I woke up. And usually I'm the guy when I wake up, it's a split second and my dream is gone. Like I'm wiping the sleep. What in the world was, was that about? But this one, this one was different. I had a vividness to it for, for months and years later. I could still remember, like in my mind right now, I can still see that the driveway went over the right-hand side, went up and down to the back of a house. I saw that it has, it was right in the middle of a cul-de-sac. There was a front porch to it. So I began to think, God, I think this might be a vision from you, because I can't forget about it. It's really stirring something inside of my heart. So we began to pray into that dream. Because I had the, the, the whole reason why everybody was cheering is because God was a part of us getting it. Like he had given it to us. Like, I'll take a house, Lord. Amen. Come on. And so let me tell you, we began praying. And you know what happened exactly a month later? Nothing. Absolutely nothing happened at all. So we kept praying, we kept believing, and years after year after year after year, we kept praying and believing, and eventually it got to the point where we were able to sell our house. And my wife and I, we began to look for this, this dream house that God had given us. 
but it was nowhere to be found. Not only that, but the market was crazy, as I'm sure some of you right now who are trying to find a house, like it's, it's a time where you can look and look and look, and people are buying houses before they even see them. So we saw dozens and dozens with like hundreds of houses. Nothing was happening. It got to the point that we had to, after we sold our house, we had to move in with some family members for a while because we were still searching and nothing was, was happening. And we were there for like, after six months, with five extra Hathaways in your house. They were like, okay, it might be time to go find a rental. Okay, all right. I just knew we were gonna find it, but nothing was happening. In fact, it felt like it was getting worse in the process. The more I prayed, the worse it looked like it was getting. So that we ended up finding a rental and we were looking. And I, I think the Lord was teaching me in that wait that we're talking about today. There's an element of waiting, but then there's an element of being strong, and courageous when you're waiting and, and working as best you can to not grumble. And that's something that God was working in my heart, learning that the waiting process can actually be a method of preparing us for what's next. Well, little did I know, I, there's so much more I wish I could share about the story. Like I bet all of us, we skipped over a lot of the details that we wish we could share. We could brag about Jesus, I'm sure, all night and what he did with all of our stories. But we ended up finding through a connection, through a connection, through a connection, someone that was selling a house that invited us to come over and see it. And so I pull up and I'm seeing the house in my dream as I'm looking at it. And the person is walking us around, it's empty and, and it's beautiful in there. And the guy who has it, he sits us down in the living room and says, all right, this is how much we're selling it for. It was another believer at, at, at a local church. And this is how much we're selling it for. What can you guys do? And it was tens of thousands of dollars outside of our range. So I was like, well, this, this is like the, the budget that we feel like we have. My wife is a stay-at-home mom right now, and we're really locked in here. And he said, you know what? Why don't we just take a moment to pray right now? And I said, well, if praying means dropping the price, I believe it <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> So we prayed and through talking, they, they dropped the price what, like, by tens of thousands of dollars for us to be able to buy this house. And now the same vision that I had, I use this as a testimony to God's faithfulness in the middle of it all. It is so worth the wait. Because what I didn't know is that that year while I was praying, God, what are you doing? This owner was completely remodeling the house for us. And so brand new kitchen, brand, brand new everything. And if I just would have, have been able to see in the moment that not only was God allowing us to wait, but he was preparing me and he was preparing the future, the vision for me and my family. I, I, learned, I learned in that moment, okay, the Lord wasn't joking. I wanna wait and be strong of a good, and with good heart because the promise is there. He's gonna bring it at the right time. And that's what waiting did in my heart in that season. Wow. So it was worth the wait. <laughs> it was worth the wait. Hey, you actually said a phrase in there that I want us to take a second and do. You said, uh, pray into the promise. And I even think, you know, especially if you're familiar with Midtown, most says lean in, right? Like lean into the word. Some of us, we need to pray into the promise. We need to, um, I think that may even be our faith statement, right? You know, even, maybe even right now is, is we're going to actually start praying Tr stepping out onto the water, trusting God just enough, right? Like, is it okay to that, that dream begin to come back alive? Could we even have faith to start praying about the dream again or the promise again? And so let's do this. Let's pray into the promise. Uh, 
You know, Stephen uh, just alluded to uh, Psalm 27, 14. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and wait for the Lord. Take heart, wait for the Lord. So God, right now we, we wait for the Lord. God, many times, especially as, as, as humans, we do not do well with waiting. God, teach us to do well with waiting because there's, there's a pregnant promise right now in your people today. God, and I believe that that is a word for, for many of us, God, that, that the size of the promise may determine the length of the pregnancy. And so may we not grow weary in doing good. May we not throw our hands up and give up. May we not in frustration take it into our own hands and frustrate the promises of God by trying to accomplish it in our own strength. But God, we need to trust. And that's what we do right now. God, we trust you. God, we trust that you are not a man that you should lie. God, that you will keep every single one. Come on, church. God will keep every single promise. Every single promise. God, we trust you. And we position our hearts back in the place of trust, even where our hearts may have given up. God, today, we're daring to dream again. We're daring to trust again. God, we trust you with the future. And God, we trust you with our past. We trust you with our present. Some of us, we just need to say this. Some of us need to say this today. God, I trust you with my soul. God, I've been trying to do this own thing, this whole thing in my own strength, and it's not working. All, all I do is I just keep falling into the pit over and over again. I just keep messing up over and over again. You know, that story about Moses leading the Israelites into the promised land, it really wasn't that long of a trip from Egypt into the promised land, but it took them 40 years because they just kept wandering around in sin. God wanted to fulfill the promise, but they weren't ready to step into the promise because they had to get the sin out. And so some of us today, we just need to say, God, in my frustrations, I just, I just laid the dream down and I picked sin up. I just tried to delight my own heart in sin and it's not working and I acknowledge that today. And some of us, we just need to pray like this. Jesus, I repent. I repent of my sin. I repent of my plans and the way that I've just kind of been messing stuff up. I repent, which means I turn. And instead of trusting in those things, I trust in you. I trust in you, Jesus Christ the author and perfecter of my faith, the one who's leading my story. You're the son of God, died on the cross for my sin <laughs> so I could be forgiven and free and restored back on mission. Some of you just need to pray that. God, today I receive forgiveness of my sins in Jesus' name. I'm now a child of God and I'm back on mission. I'm back on mission. Remember the original mission, Genesis 1:28, to lock arms with God in purity and holiness. That's only possible now because of Jesus. He made a way where there was no way. And now we get to reign as kings in life, having joy and peace no matter what's happening. And we get to go and multiply. And, we're, and here's the beautiful thing. We're all gonna have our own unique individual ways of doing that, but that's the mission. And our promises, God's promises to us are all woven through that. So today, God, we dare to dream, we dare to trust, we dare to lay down our wrongs and our sins and to trust in Christ. And we dare, God, today, to ask you to resurrect 
those old dreams, those old promises. And so we trust you today as corporately together we get back on mission. In Jesus' name. Mm. Mm. Amen. Amen. Hey, here's what we're going to do, okay? Is we're going we're gonna to just kind of pause in this moment. And we're going we're gonna to have another minute or two of worship. Um, just kind of reprising what, what we did earlier, talking about take courage and having a heart that trusts the Lord. And so let's just kind of, you know, we worship before without knowing what we were gonna talk about, but now we've talked about trust and promises and waiting. Let's bring those two things together and let our real worship to God be saying, I really do trust you and make these dreams and this promise come back alive in my heart. Let's worship together.